Welcome to the High Performance Health Podcast with your host, Angela Foster. The show where we talk about everything you need to break through limits and achieve a high performance mind, body and lifestyle. In today's episode, I am so excited to share a conversation with a fascinating person who, like myself, changed career direction after what you might call a moment of clarity. James Swanwick is an Australian-American journalist, entrepreneur, and podcast host based in California. He's the former anchor of the Australia and New Zealand version of ESPN Sports Center. James has authored three books. He is the co-founder of international media agency Croc Media, and his other companies produce multiple health and wellness products, including my personal favorite, the Swannies, a range of blue light blocking glasses designed to be worn in the evening to improve sleep. James discusses the reasons why a seemingly innocent glass or two of wine each evening may be reducing your focus and energy the next day and impeding your high performance or peak performance capabilities. With the aim to improve the life of thousands of people, James has designed programs for people that realize even moderate drinking is holding back their health, their wealth, and their happiness. In this episode, we talk about how white knuckling it doesn't work and how James helps people make lasting change by rewiring their beliefs. We also talk about the benefits to sleep from blocking blue light. This is something I recommend to my coaching clients for a multitude of health benefits. James has managed to combine health and style with a great range of designs and so you can really look and feel good in a pair of Swannies. If you've been thinking of getting some blue light blocking glasses, then be sure to stay to the end as James very kindly offers listeners a discount. Enjoy this episode. Hello and welcome to the High Performance Health Podcast. I am so excited to have James Swanick on the show today. James is an Australian-American entrepreneur, speaker, former sports centre anchor on ESPN and host of the James Swanick Podcast and also author of the 30-Day No Alcohol Challenge. That's quite an intro, James. Can you tell us a bit more about what you do? Well, I help people sleep better and I help people quit drinking, not necessarily alcoholics, but people who just have recognized that their drinking is holding them back. And so I haven't drunk since 2010. I was just a lifestyle drinker, a societally acceptable drinker. I had a drink or two each night and a few more on the weekends, but it crept up on me. I realized I'd put on some weight and it was slowing me down. And so I quit 2010 and now I've helped what's tens of thousands of people now quit drinking and transform their life. And then, yeah, I help people sleep better. I'm wearing a pair of um, blue light blocking glasses that, that help you sleep better, which I'm, I'm sure we'll talk a little bit about, but, but yeah, I'm uh, I build health companies based around, you know, things that I find interesting in, in terms of health. Awesome. And um, if we, I want to kind of talk to you about the no alcohol challenge first so predominantly are these people who are drinking, but they're not, they've not got a kind of quote unquote alcohol problem as such, but it's impacting their lives in a way that's maybe impacting their energy the next day, or it's a kind of a go-to thing that they're doing in the evening where they feel like they no longer have a choice about whether to drink. Would you say that's the kind of audience or is it a bigger selection of people? Yeah. I mean, it tends to be people who don't know any different other than just having a glass of wine or two at the end of a day to relieve yourself of stress and anxiety, or it's the person who's just, you know, repeatedly over the years been knocking back half a bottle of wine, a bottle of wine a night at the end of a day, uh, maybe drink a little bit more on weekends. It's, it's not that you necessarily have to 
do something particularly stupid, like getting arrested or getting a DUI or, or anything like that. It's just that you get to the point where you realize that this seemingly innocent drink mm-hmm. each night is compromising your sleep, which is creating irritation the next day, which is meaning a lack of focus, a lack of clarity, a lack of energy, which in turn means compromised relationships, which in turn means compromised finances. It's just like you're living life at a six, maybe a six and a half out of 10. It's not horrible, but it's just kind of like blah. Mm-hmm. And so, and so a lot of the people who come and do either my 30 day, no alcohol challenge program or my projects 90 program, which specifically helps entrepreneurs and business owners and peak performers quit drinking for at least 90 days. A lot of the reasons why they come to me is because they've got to that point where they realize, Oh, I'm not getting drunk, but the drinking is holding me back in life. It's holding me back in my health and my wealth and my love and my happiness. Yeah, sure. And I think what you're saying about energy is so important because if people are operating at six and a half out of 10, if they are an entrepreneur or an executive and they're leading a team, if they're at a six and a half, then you've got to reckon the team's going to be below that. Because I think as an entrepreneur, I know myself, you need to be up at a nine or a 10 out of 10 for the people you're leading to at least be a seven or an eight, because it kind of, it's all driven by you. Um, And so that for me is key. That's probably the key thing I keep on top of is my energy and knowing which things drain from me and which things give me energy. Um, And I think alcohol I use, I don't know if you use, but I track my sleep at night with the aura ring. And if I've had a drink, I can see that my sleep is affected. I don't go into deep sleep um, as quickly. My REM sleep certainly is really affected. And I think my pulse rate is about 10 beats higher if I've had a drink, which kind of just shows the effects on the body. Yeah. I mean, the World Health Organization says that there is not one amount of alcohol that is good for you. Mm. Uh, It has no nutritional value. This idea, you know, that's been peddled around for decades that a glass of wine is somehow good for cardiovascular health is a nonsense. It's been debunked now several times. Um, the, the reality is, is, is that, that alcohol is a poison. It has toxins in it and those toxins remain in the system and in the body for seven to 10 days. In fact, it's interesting to note that, that they can take a hair sample and they can, and up to 30 days, they can tell whether you had a, a, a glass of alcohol. Um, they've also done these studies that show that people who drink even just this seemingly innocent glass of wine have something crazy, like a 40% more visible signs of wrinkles and aging on their skin because skin is your body's largest organ. And when you pour toxins into it, it shows up in the skin. It also dehydrates your body's largest organ, which is your skin. So then that makes sense as to why there are more pronounced wrinkles, more pronounced crow's feet. Um, However, on the flip side of that is when you just drink the way that nature intended you to drink, which is water, Mm -hmm. then you look the way nature intended you to look your hormones work the way your hormones are supposed to work. Your stress and anxiety reduces 
your clarity, focus, and energy increases. Your sleep improves dr- dramatically, and poor sleep has been linked to diabetes, obesity, cancer. So if you can sleep the way that nature intended you to sleep, then it has this spin-off effect throughout the whole day. And now you are feeling happier. There's less stress. There's less anxiety. That means better relationships with your husband, wife, your children, your colleagues, your boss, your friends. That means higher happiness, lower stress, better life. Yeah, 100%. Improved in every area and also... Uh, it improves your wealth as well. You're, you're not just saving the money that you could be spending on alcohol, but that output from you in terms of energy is then going back out into the world, into what you're giving, into your legacy and into your wealth. Um, super powerful. I, um, what would you say to people who maybe have tried this before and have struggled to, to give up alcohol? I know a lot of people do it in January for 30 days, but then by kind of mid-February, they've slipped back into their old patterns. How can they do this in a way that makes that change for a lifetime? Yeah, well, most people, when they do these 30-day challenges, like dry July, sober October, all these kind of things, what they're essentially telling themselves is that they're depriving themselves of something fun mm-hmm. and, and joyful by abstaining from alcohol. And so, of course, when the 30 days are up, then you're going to like, oh, let me have a drink. Oh, I did so well. I didn't drink for 30 days. And then you're just right back in the same cycle again. So yes. while it's commendable that you went 30 days alcohol free, it's also kind of useless if you're just going to spend the rest of your years drinking the way you always drank. Yeah. So mm-hmm. what I coach in Project 90 with entrepreneurs and business owners and, and executives is I coach them to rewire their brain. I show them how to rewire their brain into believing and understanding and living that outstanding health is the reward and that a glass of poison is the exact opposite of that. Now, what makes it challenging is that society has ingrained into us this idea that alcohol is somehow fun and pleasurable. Mm-hmm. People who are always like, oh, would you like a drink? And they're doing it with a big smile on their face. I call them smiling assassins. <laughs> they're coming at you. They're coming at you. Poison. Yeah. I mean, it's the waiter and waitress who greet you at the restaurant. Hello. Can I get you started with some drinks? Yeah. It's essentially saying, hello. Can I get you started with some poison? That's going to make you sleep like crap tonight. Wake up and be shitty at your husband and wife and irritated with your kids. Oh, yes, please. I'd like uh, a bottle of the 1992, uh, I will be uh, angry and irritated tomorrow, please. <laughs> That's oh, a completely so, different mindset to, yeah. Yeah. What most people think. And, and then there's the, oh, oh, I, I just had a son. I'm a father for the first time. Let me celebrate with some champagne. Let me celebrate with a glass of poison. Well, we go to children a- from very early on, really, aren't you? Because people are always celebrating on their kids' birthdays. They'll be holding a glass of champagne at the christening. Wherever you are, the kids almost then are growing up with this idea that alcohol is a great way to celebrate an occasion. It's actually, I actually feel like it's pathetic. Mm. I mean, I know that's a harsh word to say, but I'm going to say it anyway, just, just, for the, just for the impact. I think it's just pathetic. The way that we as a society 
have allowed this ridiculous notion that poison and toxins in a bottle, and in, in many cases, a beautiful bottle, a delightfully aesthetically pleasing bottle is somehow fun and pleasurable and something that we should hold up in, this, in such high esteem. The reality is this, a very clever marketer somewhere in history decided that we were going to associate champagne, the champagne poison with celebration. Mm-hmm. We'll put it in a fancy bottle. And then when, uh, when you want to celebrate, we'll associate this poison with, with uh, celebration. That's what we'll do. But who says you can't celebrate without the champagne? Then they decided that they were, what they were going to do was they were going to associate romance with a bottle of wine. You see it in all the travel brochures and the TV commercials where they have an attractive man and woman having a candlelit dinner with a bottle of wine. Okay. Yeah. Well, who, who says you can't have a romantic candlelit dinner without the bottle of wine? Yeah. It's, it's in the beer commercials that we see all over the world. In America, you see these, these ads for Coors Light and Bud Light. In, in England, it might be Carling um, or Stella, Artois. In Australia, it might be Victoria Bitter or or Forex. And the ads are always the same. They're always these goofy-looking guys having fun. Yeah. As if, uh, um, you know, implying that if you want to be part of a tribe and you want to be part of the group, drink this product because that's what people do. This is how you create friendship and mateship and friends and connection. And it's all marketing nonsense. It's all marketing nonsense designed to get you to buy something that is slowly and in many cases in an invisible way killing you because it saps away your clarity, focus, energy. It destroys your finances slowly, in some cases quickly, but slowly. Mm-hmm. It prevents you from living life at a nine out of ten. Now, if you're okay at a six or a seven out of 10, then that's okay. Just keep drinking. No problem. Just do it. And if you want to live life at a nine out of 10, my experience has been that all of the juicy stuff in life happens at the nine out of 10. Oh yeah, for sure. For sure. And I think, um, I, I, I think the mistake we see a lot as well is people won't drink all week because that feels good. And it feels like they're giving their liver a rest but then that often leads to a lot more drinking at the weekend. And then you start Monday off kind of really under par. You might even be lower than a six out of 10 until you finally got yourself all the way back up for the weekend. Um, But certainly in the UK, there's been a massive drinking culture. And I think as you were just talking about there in terms of sport, there seems to be this connection. I almost can't watch sports unless I have a beer in my hand and people will meet in the pub to watch sports. Uh, and mm. it's kind of just there on this very subliminal level. You don't know quite why, but you grow up around it, I think. But in your experience, for people who want to do this, I mean, you have a, a process that you do, and we, we'll, we'll talk about that in just a moment. But when people are starting out on this journey and they've decided that they don't want to drink for 30 days or 90 days initially, whatever they're going to con- commit to, how important is it that the members of their family and their friends are supportive of that? Well, look, um, it's not everything. It's important that, that, that you have support, but I would argue that the support of friends and family is inconsequential compared to the support that you can get 
from a coach or a mentor or an accountability group of other people also quitting mm-hmm. because your husband or wife will cheer you on and your friends will cheer you on, but they're not really going to hold you accountable when the going gets tough. So it's, yes, it's, 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 it's very important that you feel supported. It's very important. In my experience, the, the most effective way of getting supported is to pay a coach because when you pay, you pay attention. Yeah. And, and you pay to be in an accountability group of people who are also quitting uh, because when you do it in a group of people, a group of like-minded people who are going through the same thing as you, then change becomes possible. They've done all these studies that show that brute willpower, like trying to white knuckle it, has less than a 10% success rate. Alcoholics Anonymous has less than a 10% success rate. Rehabilitation centers, less than a 10% success rate. So the old ways of trying to quit AA rehabilitation centers and then brute willpower, even with the support of friends and family, all less than 10% success rate. Wow, I didn't realize they were that low. It's, that it's, it's, it's frightening. It's almost frightening. Destined. You're 90% destined to fail then. It's, that's just... Yeah, well, nine out of 10 people do fail. Yeah. So, so, so okay. the most... Of, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, what was no, that? No, no. Well, I, was just thinking, I was thinking about what you were saying there about having that community of people because I know I find that with group coaching is now you've found a new tribe of people who are all on the same journey as you are. Is that one of the things and, and the accountability obviously from yourself um, and your team? Yeah. yeah. There's a book called um, The Power of Habit by Charles C. Duhigg. It was a New York Times bestseller about 10 years ago. And uh, he says that, the most of, that one of the most effective ways to change is to do it in a group of like-minded people. They've done countless studies on this. So if you think about it, okay, like, let me give you a, let me give you a real life example. Um, and also the other most effective way I found is to pay a coach. So I, I go to a, um, a, a gym, a, kind of like a workout gym called F45, functional 45. And it's, it's not cheap. It's like $35 a session. And when you go there, you do circuits. So you do about a dozen different exercises quickly it's high intensity for about 45 minutes and you do it in a group of about anywhere from 12 to 20 other people at the time They play music, et cetera, et cetera. Right. The fact that I pay the $35 the night before and I schedule to go there and be in the gym at 7am to do that class. The fact that I schedule it and I pay for it means has meant so far that 100% of the time that I wake up and I don't want to get up, because I'm tired, I want to sleep in. I get up, I put on my gym clothes, and I go to the F45 workout because of two things. One, I've paid for it, and we value something that we paid for, and we don't value something that we get for free, mm-hmm. or at least not as much. And two, I have that accountability. Now when I'm working out, I've got 12 to 20 people who are doing exactly the same thing as I am, sweating profusely, and I'm pushed and compelled to do well and to, to be with the group and to do well for the group in some cases compete against, you know, a couple of people in my group, a very friendly competition, but I'm compelled 
to take the action. And even though there are many mornings at 6.45 a.m. when the last thing I want to do is go to the, to the F45, I go. I go because I've paid the money and I have the account and I have the accountability. So the, the way I designed the two quit drinking programs that I have, 30-day no alcohol challenges for 30 days, just to get you a glimpse of what that's like. You go into a closed Facebook group where you can speak to 1,200 other members. You do pay for it. You do pay to go in. It's very, it's a nominal amount. It's $67 to do it. It's nothing in the broad scope of your life. If it was free, I would have probably a 10% success rate as well. But the fact that you pay $67, I have an almost 80% success rate of people getting to at least 30 days. In Project 90, which is a, a higher level program where I'm getting people to, to quit for, for 90 days, and that's aimed more at business owners and entrepreneurs, it's thousands of dollars. Like it's thousands of dollars to do, to do Project 90. So not everyone's going to do that. But the people who pay the thousands of dollars, so far I have had an 82% success rate of people who have gone at least 90 days and then continued on and stayed quit. And of the 18% who haven't, they've started, then relapsed and had a drink. Then they've started again and either then completed at least 90 days or they relapse again and then complete 90 days on the third attempt. So in, in every case, I've had a 100% success rate of getting to at least 90 days. It's just 18% of the time, you know, they've, they've, they've relapsed yeah, once, while, yeah, one or two times. The point is, is that nobody wants to spend thousands of dollars to quit drinking. But when you do, you get, the, you get the result because there's no way you want to waste that money that you've just coughed up. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess, so for the 18% of people who relapse and come back to it, it's amazing. That 100% success rate is amazing. But what's the difference, do you think, between the section of people who make it first time and those who don't and have to repeat that process again? Is it that there's an, a life event that intervenes that they're finding challenging or, or is it all the different reasons? Um, there are different reasons. Um, some of the, 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 the most common ones are is um, they still associate alcohol as relieving them of stress and anxiety. And so something triggers them, some life event happens. And because for most of their adult life, the way that they deal with the traumatic experience is to reach for a drink. Mm -hmm. They just still haven't quite broken that pattern or that, that, that habit yet. And so they're still associating alcohol as something that makes them feel better, even though it doesn't make them feel better. It creates this temporary illusionary feeling of, of, of feeling better, but it actually keeps you in this vicious cycle of stress and anxiety and depression. Okay. So there's that. Um, other people, uh, some other people just have very self-destructive behavior. They feel like they're not worthy um, they have a fear of success, not a fear of failure, but a fear of success. What happens if I succeed? What happens if I actually am this powerful person? Now I'm actually will lose this identity that I've had as a friend for 20, 30 years, this identity of being just a mediocre performer. It's scary that I'm now going to be killing this mediocre identity of this mediocre performer. And actually I'll be a peak performer. 
huh, maybe my friends will desert me. Huh, maybe I'll, people will, more people will pay attention to what I'm doing. And so I'll, so I've got more people looking at me. Maybe they'll realize that I'm actually, uh, maybe they'll start to think that I'm a fraud. And it, 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 like all these kind of stories, so there's like a fear of success, a fear of success that comes that causes people to, to, to relapse and, have, uh, and, and self-destruct. Um, and then, you know, and then there's other reasons that I can't explain because everyone's different. Everyone has their own, uh, everyone has their own journey. But usually what happens when they do, the ones who do relapse, they're filled with self-loathing and disgust or, almost right away. They wake up the next day, they feel like crap, and then they just go, I can't believe I did that. And I, I realize just how bad it is for me because I've been 30, 60 days alcohol-free, then I had some poison again, then I woke up and was like, oh, I feel awful. Now I'm definitely giving up for good. And that's more, more than often what happens. And I guess that's a wake up as well, because the symptoms they're going to get after 60 days of no alcohol is going to be very different the next day in terms of the hangover than when they would get hangovers when they were drinking every day, because the body's conditioned to that drinking. So it must, in a way, I guess for some people that almost needs to happen for them to then really, really commit because they can see the difference between light and, you know, night and day, really, in terms of how they feel. Yes. Massive difference. Night and day. When, when you're alcohol-free for an extended period of time, I mean, you do feel the way that nature intended you to feel, first and foremost. And you know what that's supposed to be? It's supposed to be clear-headed, energetic, clarity-focused, looking good. Um, you know, just it's not like you're dancing down the streets singing zippity-doo-dah, zippity-day, my, oh, my, what a wonderful day. <laughs> But it definitely means that you're not walking down the street going, yeah. my life sucks. Everything's awful. How am I going to get out of this situation? Everyone else is crushing it. I'm the only person who's not crushing it. I'm such an idiot. There's a lot of self, there's a lot of defeatist talk amongst us. And it's, it's normal because our human brain wants to protect us. And so it's always looking for the bad. It's always looking for danger. Mm -hmm. So we focus on danger because we want to survive. The brain doesn't want us to be happy. The brain wants us to survive. So it's normal that we go to feelings of depression and beating ourselves up. So it, it's a practice and happiness is a choice. Alcohol free is a choice. Clarity and focus and energy is a choice because naturally our brain wants to look for danger. Look for what's wrong. Look for what's not right. Mm, yeah, that's very true. That's how, that's how we're wired. And I think I'm just interested. I'm curious about the mindset here because I know with my, with my own clients, you know, we're ve I very much start off with looking at what they're trying to create in themselves because if they're being coached, they've almost got to identify with that future version of themselves before they can actually step into it. And that's part of the accountability process. And I, I'm curious when people are embarking on this journey and they are feeling initially that they're giving something up, do you do a lot of mindset work with them on the outset so that they can step into that person? Um, I know you were saying some people are almost afraid of the success that they'll have as a result. 
But do they get very, very clear on the reasons why they're giving up alcohol in the beginning? Yeah. One of the steps that we take them through in Project 90 is is getting very clear on, on your why. You know, why are you wanting to do this? And a lot of the reasons range from more presence with their children or with their wife or husband um, to feel more peace, have more joy. Um, uh, in many cases, it's to make, uh, make more money or at least stop squandering money. And in all cases, it's just to realize your, your potential. Because mm-hmm. we're, we're all holding ourselves back from yeah. what we're capable of. And alcohol really is holding us back from what we're capable of. Yeah. So um, getting very clear on why. And a lot of, case, a lot of, a lot of times it's, they're not doing it. I mean, they are doing it for themselves, but a lot of times people will share that they're doing it for the kids. They want to be a good role model. They don't want their kids being the same, uh, being afflicted with the same thing that they have been in their life. Yeah, I can so, identify that, yeah. Yeah. So there's, diff- there's different reasons, but, you know, motivations, it, it's often and more energy, more clarity, more connection, more presence, more freedom. Freedom is a big one as well. Uh, and, and getting them, you know, attached to their why as to why they're doing that. If your why is big enough, then, then the how just seems to, to happen. Yeah, absolutely. I would agree with that 100%. And I think, I think probably almost the people that are falling off maybe haven't got clear on their why at the very, very outset because that's what keeps you going. That's what's going to lead to that transformation. Um, so kind of moving away from that, what are your – obviously, you don't drink alcohol, but for um, the listeners of this podcast, they – they're always curious about how to increase their energy. What are your top tips and tactics that you use to keep yourself at a nine or a 10 out of 10 every day? Well, I don't drink alcohol as one. And then I focus on, on great sleep and uh, everything starts with great sleep. And then I also live uh, in appreciation rather than expectation most of the time. So, um, you know, it's not necessarily to raise your energy. People are always thinking, well, uh, you know, what food can I eat or what drink can I have? Or, I mean, what I found is that to generate more energy, you, you, you just start with outstanding health. So that's eating well, exercising regularly, getting lots of sunlight and reducing stress and anxiety by writing in a gratitude journal every day. So my daily routine is I wake up, uh, before I put my hand on my phone, I write down 20 things I'm grateful for. I call it the daily 20. Um, I write down 20 things I'm grateful for and automatically that reduces my stress and anxiety. Mm. It gets me looking for evidence that life is good. Um, I'll, I'll leave my exercise clothes on the floor before I go to sleep. So when I wake up and I see the exercise clothes, I'll put them on, which means I'm 99% of the time I'm walking out of the door and I'm going to exercise um, often at F45 at 7am or if not, you know, 7.30 in, in the gym. Um, uh, I'm flooding myself with natural sunlight very early on in the day and that will help me sleep better late at night because it's basically sunlight during the, the morning hours tells your internal, bo- internal body clock, which is named your circadian rhythm, this is daytime. And then because your circadian rhythm knows what time daytime is, 16 hours later, 
it will naturally start to flow with melatonin to help you sleep better. Um, no coffee after 2 p.m. Coffee is a stimulant. And even if you, you can drink cappuccinos and long blacks and whatever with dinner and still fall asleep just fine, your sleep quality will be compromised. You won't spend as long in that deep REM sleep. Um, if you are going to drink alcohol, try and do it. Um, don't do it or rather don't do it in the last two or three hours before you sleep because the alcohol, your liver will, will have to work hard to break that down. You're also putting toxins in your body. Again, it may indeed help you fall asleep, but your sleep quality will be compromised. Um, uh, uh, blackout curtains at, um, to block out some of the light coming in. Um, and obviously definitely block as much blue light uh, as possible at nighttime. And by blocking blue light, I mean blue light that's being emitted from your cell phone right now, from your uh, laptop computer, from your, um, from your television screen, from your bathroom light, kitchen light. And the way that I block blue light is by wearing a pair of these Swannies blue light blocking glasses, which I'm wearing here now. Um, these are from my sleep company, Swan Week Sleep. There you go. Angela's rocking them too. I you look great in those. <laughs> Thank you for these. I love them. I actually, I find that, I mean, I actually don't watch a lot of television, but if I am putting these on before, because I think everyone has these massive screens now and they completely underestimate the amount of, um, of blue light that's coming in, even if they're not on their phones, just from, say, watching an hour of Netflix. Um, these make a massive difference. And, uh, yeah, we wear them in my yeah. house. My kids love them. Oh, great. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. So you want to, you want to put these glasses on in the last hour or so before you go to sleep and you wear them right up until the moment that where you switch off the final light and then you remove the glasses and roll over and, and go to sleep. And the idea is this orange is the opposite of blue. Blue light is emitted from your phone screens, bathroom light, kitchen light. Um, and if you don't protect your eyes with a pair of, of, of swannies, blue light blocking glasses, then that blue light stimulates your pituitary and pineal glands, which suppresses your melatonin production. In a nutshell, if you, if you look at too much light at night, you're tricking your body and brain into thinking that it's daytime. And when your body and brain thinks it's daytime, it does not produce as much melatonin. And when you don't produce as much melatonin, you then have trouble falling asleep. You toss and turn the, in the night or you spend less time in that deep REM restorative sleep. And as a result, you wake up feeling tired. Even if you get seven or eight hours sleep, often you feel tired still. And a lot of the times, it's not because you've got a sleeping problem or you, you naturally got sleep apnea or whatever. It's because you just exposed yourself to too much light at night. So put on a pair of the Swannies. They're stylish. I deliberately made them stylish. So people are motivated to want to wear them consistently. You have made and them stylish. I have to say, I love them. I've got a couple of pairs. I think just, yeah, here's my other pair. Um, these ones. And I think yeah. that's the thing. You actually made them look good, which is, this must take some work, right, to get these right in a way that actually could look good on and do the job that they needed to do. 
Yes. And I'm just vain enough that I wanted to look good. <laughs> so, which is why I made them look the way, way that they did because, um, you know, look, there are other blue light blocking glasses out there and they may be as effective in terms of their ability to block blue light. However, I would argue that they're largely ineffective because they're so damn ugly and people don't want to wear them with any kind of consistency. Human beings, we're a fickle bunch. And so even if you've got like a pair of blue light blocking glasses that block blue light and are efficient, if they're not attractive looking, if they're ugly, you're only going to wear them occasionally. And if you're only wearing them occasionally, then I know that your sleep quality is only going to be high occasionally. So part of the reason why they're, we, we make them fun and stylish and cool is just is so that you wear them every single night. And so you want to go out and see people and have dinner in a restaurant while wearing them. And yes, you want to walk around your home while wearing them and you want to look good. Yeah. It's where stuff, excuse me, it's where style meets health or where health meets style. Yeah. And I can see it because you are absolutely committed to like myself to transforming people's health. And James, you've very kindly given the listeners of this podcast 15% off their swimmies um, using code Angela. So I will link to that in the show notes, uh, but I highly recommend these. And get some for your children because otherwise they'll just end up nicking them like mine do. So uh, get a couple of pairs. But yeah, I love the styling of these. Have you done any, do you, are you someone that tracks your sleep yourself? Um, do you monitor it and what influences your own sleep? I, I have done. I've used the Aura Ring and I've used, you know, Sleep Med and a few other things. Uh, I don't track it anymore. I, I tend to sleep almost flawlessly. I kind of like... I've gone down this route of biohacking and um, look, I support, I support anything that helps people sleep better, perform better, all that kind of stuff. But I also get kind of bored or not bored. Often I get overwhelmed with all of these biohacking devices that we're yeah. hooking ourselves up to and brain waves and like rings and like all these kind of uh, like, I just think it's pretty simple. We get rid of all that stuff and we just ensure that we uh, wake up and flood ourselves with as much natural light as possible. We drink lots of water. We exercise regularly. We eat really well. Um, we limit our screen time. We block the blue light at night with a pair of blue light blocking glasses. We write 20 things we're grateful for every day. So we're living in appreciation rather than expectation, which will reduce our stress and anxiety. And then we spend time in communities because the longest running Harvard st uh, st human study ever run is by Harvard, Harvard university that shows that the number one factor for someone's overall uh, well-being, mental well-being and happiness is community. It's the relationships that you're in. It's friends, family, feeling part of a tribe. If you just live your life like that, we can like probably go out, go to these conferences and just like with a, with a big hand, just go, just throw it all away and just go, just do what I just explained. And your life's going to be pretty damn good. Yeah. And people don't want me to say that because then with the whole, a whole capitalism market falls apart because you, you know, what are we going to, how, what are we going to do with all these kind of super duper supplements that we're creating and all this kind of stuff? I mean, just eat, eat the way you're supposed to eat, drink lots of water, get natural sunlight, block blue light. And I think 
do that 80% of the time, you're going to have a pretty good life. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think that's the thing a lot of people don't realize is they start looking for, well, what supplements can I take? What kind of new device can I try? And I always do that with my clients. You know, it's the basic things to get right and go back to the way we were designed in nature, which, as you say, involves going out and getting blue light in the early part of the day. That's going to regulate your serotonin and then your melatonin, which helps you sleep later on. Eating whole foods, if you can pick it, pluck it, kill it, then it's probably good to eat. If it comes in a packet, it probably isn't. Um, and I think, and drinking lots and lots of water. And I think when you start to get those basics, right, you feel so good, um, anyhow. And then if you want to layer on the biohacking on top, then fine. But these are great. I definitely recommend everyone gets these because, uh, blocking out the light, that's an unnatural thing. If you think we would have fallen asleep so much earlier, when, when it became dark. And I think we're artificially keeping ourselves up with all the lights and the spotlights in the ceilings and the big televisions and everything in the evening. And these are, these are a great hack um, for sorting that out. Um, I just want to ask you very quickly on gratitude because that's something that I do a lot of myself. And I start my day with what I'm grateful for. Do you list out the things that you're grateful for that are in your life now or it could be a combination of both, but do you look at the things that you're grateful for that you are manifesting going forward? I, uh, uh, on a daily basis, I, I, I am grateful for things that have happened and things that are happening Mm -hmm. on a, on a less frequent basis. I'll do visualization uh, where I'll write down my goals as if they've already happened. Um, Admittedly, I do that far less than, than, you know, being grateful for things that have happened or are happening. But by virtue of you even asking me that question, I'm going to commit to changing it up a little bit tomorrow and I'm going to write about all the things that I'm grateful for as if I've already got them. Mm. I think it's really powerful when you're doing that because Mm. I think that as well really helps me with mindset and committing to the next stage of me because if we're not growing, we're dying, aren't we? So to continue that growth, I'm always looking, I think, you know, success is an inside job and I'm always looking deep within, you know, how can I help more people? How can I serve people at a higher level? How can I move to the next level? Um, And I'm grateful for having the opportunity to do that. Things like this, you know, interviewing you on this podcast with all this gold that you're sharing is going out and is going to reach so many people and help change their lives. Um, And I think being grateful for as you say, it's kind of three things, isn't it? It's grateful for what you have achieved, grateful for what you are currently doing. Um, and that so brings you to the present moment. And when you're in the present, I think so much anxiety falls away. But then also having a mind to the person that you're becoming and growing and, and what more you can give back to the world. Mm. Yeah, I love that. I love that. I I, um, I think, uh, I just think, appreciation versus expectation is just a huge, a huge thing. And I used to reject that notion for many years. And then when I finally just went, ah, let me just set myself up to win here and write down what I'm grateful for. It's amazing how stress-free I became. Another cool exercise is not just writing 20 things you're grateful for, but writing down 20 reasons why I'm awesome. Oh, that's a good one. I'm going to try that one. It's great for self-love. 20 reasons why I'm awesome. I'm awesome because. 
yeah, that's good about yourself. Because mm. I think, as you, you were saying earlier, the biggest thing holding us back is ourselves. Mm-hmm. And the things that people say to themselves in their own heads is it's way worse than you would ever dream of saying to somebody else in reality, right? No one would mm-hmm. talk to, you know, people who are feeling depressed or really anxious or feeling that they're not enough. I think so often that's actually because not because of what the outside world is showing them, but because of what their internal world is saying, what they're saying to themselves. Um, and I try and I do this with my kids because I've, you know, it's, it's so powerful when you say that because what I've noticed with children is that they all start off. I have three kids. Um, they're between seven and 11 and mm-hmm. they all begin just knowing their inherent sense of worth and knowing that they're loved. And then all of a sudden now, like my eldest is creeping up to 12, just suddenly have that shift. Well, what if this person thinks that? And what if I'm this? And what if I don't succeed? And what if I do that? And it starts to happen, I think, around the age of nine or 10. Well, what if I don't do well in it? What if I? And that self-talk can begin so young. And if you don't correct, but even as an adult, you can do that and watch how you're speaking to yourself. So that exercise that you've just mentioned, I'm so going to do that, you know, 20 things. Why am I awesome? It's forcing you to see the good in yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Focus on you, f- focus on what, what, all the good that's going on in your life and stress and anxiety will fall, start to fall, fall aside and you'll start to change your physiology. Your chest will be out a little bit more. And Tony Robbins, the great motivational speaker is like, if you just change your physiology, you can change how you feel in a heartbeat. Yes. So true. I think that's the thing because as soon as you kind of you're up and then your mind changes, but they constantly feed back to each other. Um, so what's, what's next for you, James, um, in terms of, you know, you've got these glasses, um, you've got your coaching program around the no alcohol. Is there anything new that's coming on the horizon in terms of upgrading people's health and wellness? Well, we've, we've produced the world's healthiest mattress, um, in our sleep company, Swanwick Sleep. It's called Organic Nights. And uh, a lot of mattresses have fire retardants on them and a lot of chemicals and toxins. And so we uh, have created an all-natural organic wool and organic latex um, uh, bed called Organic Nights, uh, which can be shipped out to you in a box. Um, So you don't need to go into a store to get it. And... um, uh, yeah, we're, we're, we're putting a lot of our efforts into that currently. Um, and that because, mattress is like, um, what made, what's the choice in terms of what you use to make that? Is that to enhance the kind of breathability and yeah, well, what's behind that? In terms well, when of- you go to sleep at night, when you put your face on a, on a pillow and you, and you know, you're that you're that close to the mattress, you're breathing in toxins, you're breathing in chemicals. Mm-hmm. I mean, you spend up to eight hours, let's, let's say on average seven hours, seven or eight hours a night breathing in toxins from the mattress that you are sleeping on. Yeah. They spray those mattresses with chemicals. Then yeah. they ship them out to you and then you, you put a sheet on them and then you put your head down a couple of inches from them and then you breathe those in for eight hours a night for probably in some cases 10 years, 10, 20 years. So what we've done is we've eliminated the danger of those toxins. We've removed the toxins and we've created what we think is the world's healthiest mattress called Organic Nights, everything organic about it, toxin-free, chemical-free, so you can get a great night's sleep 
and you cannot breathe in toxins and chemicals. That's awesome. Wow. Yeah. So you can check it out at um, swanwicksleep.com. We've got some details there on it. But, yeah, the mattress is called Organic Nights. And do you, slip, do you ship all over the world? We do. You do? Amazing. Organic Nights. I will be checking that out and I recommend everyone listening goes and checks that out because I think we forget just how much of our time we're spending in bed. It's at least a third of our lives. And so, as you say, you can have everything else right, but if you're breathing in toxins all night, then you're only doing two thirds as good as you can. Um, I say spend the most money on your bed and on your shoes because if you're not in one, then you're in the other. That's absolutely true. I like that. Um, well, thank you so much for, for coming on the show. I want to leave it with just asking you a question. What would you say is your the ethos or mantra that you live by? What guides you? Just do it and do it now. Um, you know, I mean, there's lots of things we think we should do. We'll get around to do it. Just do it and do it now because if you keep thinking and procrastinating, you'll just, you know, you'll die with regret. So. Just do it. Do it now. Absolutely. So powerful. And um, if people want to just do it now and join your no alcohol challenge, what do you recommend? They go for the 30 day challenge or and where should they go? So if you're wanting to just take 30 days off to get a glimpse of what that feels like, then 30 day no alcohol challenge dot com. Uh, if you are a business owner, entrepreneur or executive and you're ready to step up and really quit for good, and you're willing to invest thousands of dollars in order to quit and stay quit, um, you can go to jameswanwick.com slash project90, uh, or you can send me a, a message on my Instagram at jameswanwick, and I'll send you the details there. Just send me a DM, tell me, tell me that you heard me on this podcast, and, and I'll send you a little link. And then um, if you're interested in the, the Swanwick blue light blocking glasses, then um, obviously use the code, the discount code that Angela just um, gave you, 15% off. And if you go to swanwicksleep.com and then use that discount code, be happy to give you 15% off there. What was the code again, Angela? Oh, Angela. Yeah, brilliant. Angela, there you I go. Will, and I will link to all of this in the show notes, the 30 days, the 90 days, um, the mattresses, the glasses with the 15% off. It'll all be in the show notes. So there's really everyone can get a good night's sleep from here on in and um thank you so much for coming on it was amazing thank you we'll of course you thank you for having me thanks for listening remember to review and subscribe you can grab the show notes the resources and highlights of everything angela mentioned over at angelafosterperformance.com you can also snatch up plenty of other goodies including the highly helpful angela recommends page which is a list of everything she personally recommends to optimize your mind body and lifestyle.